Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. We've waited so long, but we'd wait forever. Our blood is blue and we would leave you And when we make it, it'll be together. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Straight Out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. Only one thing on our agenda today as we celebrate Chelsea Champions of Europe. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Hello listener, I trust you had a decent weekend. It's Matt Davis-Adams here, joined by the Athletics Chelsea experts. Fresh from Porto, it's Liam Toomey. I knew it was nailed on from the moment I realised that Saturday was Roberto Di Matteo's birthday. <laughs> it was meant to be. Uh, Dominic Fifield's also with us. Hi Dom. Hello Matt, how is everybody? Very well. Um, Simon Johnson, I think, doesn't quite come into that category. <laughs> Feeling good mentally, if not physically, uh, Mr Crokey Voice. Yeah, story of my life. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, hello everyone. It's quite sexy. <laughs> this is not because I've been out celebrating for a few yeah, days yeah, on whatever. Chelsea's behalf. <laughs> the bosses aren't listening, don't worry. Uh, right then, about Saturday night. The stage has never been bigger and the rewards never greater. It's a proud night for English football in Portugal. We are all set for the Champions League final. Havertz now to the left-hand side to Mount. Back to Havertz, towards the byline, pulls it across. Werner is there, he misses his kick. And it bounces off him and is cleared away by Kyle Walker. Chilwell looking for Werner. It works its way here to Mount. Chelsea might be in. Werner with a chance, Edison with the save. He could have had two already tonight, Timo Werner. That was a lovely flowing move from Chelsea. It was. Werner really should have scored. We 
Good the way to Sterling and now De Bruyne. Phil Foden's in here. Brilliant challenge, Rudiger. He's been so impressive in this Champions League run, the German international, and that was a brilliant tackle. And it's still evenly poised as Mount plays it through the middle to Havertz. Anderson comes out. Havertz has beaten him. Havertz scores for Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel's side are in front. And it's Kai Havertz. is in front of his Chelsea teammates and Chelsea lift the European Cup for the second time here in Porto brilliant winners against Manchester City to be honest right now I give a on that we won the Champions League and we are just we just celebrating confidence in words is such a special occasion um, at this moment in time, we're the best team in the world, so can't take that away from us. To share it with everybody, it's incredible and uh, what a fight, what a fight, what a tough fight. I came here in 2012 uh, after the, the Champions League win and of course, you know, uh, I wanted to repeat that and tonight just amazing. My family here is a special, special day. Literally speechless right now, it's what I come to Chelsea for. To go for a campaign like that and, and the teams we've beat and to get to a final and, and beat the team we beat tonight, phenomenal. We're, we're such a strong group, we're bonded now forever. Um, it's what dreams are made of, it's something I dreamt of for a very long time. So Chelsea are champions of Europe for the second time. The Blues bested Manchester City at the Estadio do Dragao on Saturday night. Kai Havertz's goal just before half-time proved decisive as Thomas Tuchel's team produced surely their best performance of the season when it really mattered. Liam was at the Dragao for the Athletic. Here's his report from the stadium just moments after the final whistle. That sound you can hear below me is the Chelsea players dancing in front of the Chelsea fans at the end, away to my left in the Estadio de Dragao. It's absolute carnage and, uh, and absolutely incredible. Um, an amazing performance, completely different, I think, to 2012. Although there were obviously moments of last ditch defending that, that reminded you of Munich. But Chelsea were the better team. They had the clearer chances in the game. I think for the third match in succession, Thomas Tuchel tactically got the better of Pep Guardiola. Um, Chelsea's goal itself came from a kind of, you know, tactic tactically coached advantage with that Werner decoy run, the ball out towards Chilwell and Mount, Mount pass through for Havertz. And what about Kai Havertz, eh? Kai Havertz, Chelsea legend. 
Drink that in, Dom Fifield, Simon Johnson, Matt Davis-Adams. Uh, it's astonishing. I mean, 2012 felt like an ending in lots of ways for that team. It heralded the start of a massive rebuild. This feels like a beginning, which is why it's so surreal. Um, I mean, there's maybe a couple of defenders, you know, Azpilicueta, Thiago Silva, obviously, who feels like a century ago he went off in tears, consoled by his teammates. Chelsea's fate looked uncertain then. Um, maybe there's a couple of players in this team who could convince themselves this might be their last chance, but, you know, the likes of Havertz, Werner, Mount, James, Chilwell, they'll, they should... They should be confident of getting more opportunities at this trophy and to to win it so early in their careers is just remarkable. Um, I think the Chelsea fans are going to have a good night, even though there's a curfew in Porto. All the bars are shut as of 10:30, but I think I'm sure they'll source alcohol from somewhere. We're minutes away from Chelsea going up to receive their medals and lift the trophy. So I think I'll, I'll leave you here. Um, Liam Toomey reporting from Porto. So that's what Liam made of it. If we start our look back with the team that Thomas Tuchel picked, uh, Domi got it spot on, didn't he? And I'm not just saying that because it was the same one that we all picked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got it right. Everything, everything sort of fell into place. And really beyond the first 30 seconds, I thought Chelsea... Um, were in control and by far and away the better team. I know I, I didn't have a horse running in this race particularly, um, other than this podcast, obviously. But and I, and I can appreciate completely how supporters will have gone through the the ringer through the particularly through the latter stages. But but really, I, I did not see City coming back into that game, particularly once Chelsea had a lead. Um, I just thought they were comfortable. And you know that and the tactics came into that, but but also Pep's tactics clearly, and and I think for for all that Tuchel got his selection spot on, Guardiola got his horribly wrong. What was the reaction, Liam, in the press box when the, when the team sheets dropped? Because the the Chelsea one, there were maybe one or two names we were pondering, but for City to not play a striker or a holding midfielder, I mean, it, it felt like classic Pep overthinking, and and that's kind of what it turned out to be. Yeah, I mean the the press box was was pretty spaced out, so there weren't a ton of um, startled huddles going on between journalists. But I I was actually sitting right behind um, my athletic colleague Sam Lee, uh, and he'd heard a couple of hours earlier that Rodri and Fernandinho were both on the bench and that um, Sterling was in the attack, and so he wasn't shocked, but he was surprised, um, and that seemed to be the general. The general reaction from the the city press back was that they they couldn't really understand the team selection. It was very tempting to immediately lean into the Pep has pepped again narrative um, in a big Champions League game. And I think if you read um, the tactical piece that Michael Cox did for us on the Athletic, which, which was excellent, describing how Chelsea won the game, I think you'll see that it was more complicated than just Pep not picking a defensive midfielder. Um, the way Chelsea won the game was, you know, with those targeted balls to chill well out, out on the left that City didn't really have a plan for, the same ones that worked in the FA Cup semi-final a few weeks ago. But there's no doubt that it it did seem to unsettle uh City on the pitch. And they 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 looked a little bit um they looked a little bit off right from the start. They looked like they were trying to play a lot faster. 
than they usually do. They weren't they weren't content to try and control the game and patiently probe Chelsea. They were getting involved in it was almost a basketball match at times, the the speed of the transitions. And if you get into a transition game with this Chelsea team, it's you're probably going to lose because that's that's the kind of game they wanted it to be. I think the, the team was probably the star, Simon, but we'll look at some individual performances anyway. Um, not sure what, what N'Golo Kante is exactly, but, it, but he's definitely not made of the same stuff as the rest of us. Jamie Carragher after the game, when he finishes, I think this guy will be spoken about as one of the greatest players that we've seen in the Premier League. Meanwhile, here's Andy tweeting the show to say, Simon will be delighted with Kante getting man of the match. How much does he think we'll get for him now? <laughs> Can we change the subject, please? <laughs> that, that Ballon d'Or premium has got to be another 100 million, isn't it? I mean, even even by his standard, Simon, it it was almost ridiculous the the performance that he put in. He's he's so omnipresent on a football pitch anyway. But it's the it's the ease with which he dispossesses other players, and then you know, one minute he's doing that outside his own penalty box, the next he's on the right wing attacking. He's he's a phenomenon. Yeah, but he was a phenomenon throughout the knockout stages. I mean, he he was. We're not just talking one game here. Of course, it was the biggest game because it was the final, but. His standard of performances in the knockout stages was was just different, a different level. And as we sort of said last last week in the build up, and, and I said you know, he is the well cast player in that squad, like the, the 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 player that sort of all teams would want. And I know we we always talk and refer to my brilliant piece uh, of a year or so ago. But one of the things I, I mentioned that piece. Oh, was, what did that piece say? Sorry, what was, it, what was the <laughs> well, overriding it was also, theme? Well, if someone had read it properly and thoroughly, they'd have also. <laughs> I like headlines. Seen, What's a headline? <laughs> <laughs> they'd have also seen that Real Madrid were were very keen on on signing him, and that that Conte himself may have had a decision to make because Chelsea seemed so far off winning a Champions League because, as as we've been talking about, you know, they hadn't won a knockout game since 2014. And he was an approaching an age where, you know, he may want to give it some thought that, you know, well, can he can he reach the promised land with with Chelsea, or will he have to go elsewhere? I think the um, the pandemic and the uh, and the, the impact it had on Real Madrid's finances did did Chelsea a a, a great help in that regard because Real Madrid certainly weren't in position to even make an attempt for Conte. But getting back to the point and getting back to the game, just just ridiculous, really. Just absolutely ridiculous. It was one of the best sort of performances of a player of that type I, I can ever remember in a Champions League final. Just the, the impact it had. Um, Manchester City tried their best. It was the moment where, of course, he, he he just dispossessed players with ease. You know, you think of the Kevin De Bruyne tackle, for example, mm. the timing of that. Because you, for most players, that's a yellow card waiting to happen. You're sort of waiting for the... You haven't timed it well. You brought him down, yellow card. Now you're under pressure for the last thirty odd minutes, or whenever that tackle was made, not to make a second and get sent off. Um, there's the one on uh, Riyad Mahrez where he just sort of times it perfectly, nicks it, and Chelsea are on the counter. Um, there was a- there was actually a gasp around the stadium, uh, as referenced in Barney Rone's excellent piece on Kante in the Guardian. There was a gasp that went round the stadium when Kante did that to Mahrez. There was a gasp in my living room, Liam. There was. <laughs> <laughs> there was no it was I'm sure there was a gasp everywhere, yeah, but no, it was it was great. And and no wonder there's talk of um of Chelsea now sort of negotiating or looking to give him an extension, even though he's past that thirty 
age barrier. He's got two years left, but clearly he's a player that's got to see out his career. Forget any articles that even intimated um, <laughs> selling or him leaving. Um, you know, he's got to stay at Chelsea and, and, I just loved as well. I will stop talking in a minute. Um, <laughs> I just loved it as well when the uh, the, the post match, you know, and they're, they're about to get the trophy, and everyone was going up and kissing the trophy, and Cod's just sort of sort of shyly almost just walks, sort of does a little, and then walks past it. He did a little He's, double pat, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. from down. a distance, but yeah. Um, how many how a, many COVID nineteen protocols were flaunted by people <laughs> slobbering yeah. all over that trophy? <laughs> <laughs> Such a lovely fella. Anyway, I better stop talking before. For him I... to do that with with a hamstring issue as well was just oh, yeah. ridiculous. I mean, I know we, we we always reference back 2019 and the Europa League final and how he could barely walk on the eve of that game, but but he had there was a, an element of doubt about about whether he would be f- able to go full tilt on Saturday. Well, as to, as Tuchel said, he intercepted himself before he got a hamstring injury. <laughs> he stopped himself missing the Champions League final. That's how good this guy's timing is. So I wouldn't put Kante down as an elder statesman necessarily of this team. They, they were the focus of your post-match piece, Dom, and, and in particular, Cesar Azpilicueta, somebody who we've actually had a lot of tweets in the last few weeks from people saying, words to the effect of, has Tuchel got a blind spot when it comes to Azpilicueta? He's the weak link in this team, effectively. I think what we saw on, on Saturday was that in that position of right centre-back rather than right wing-back, he is still an extremely effective, capable player. But but also, he is a quiet leader, but a leader of the team nonetheless. I, I am amazed that anyone out there doubts him. I, I don't think there's a there's been a, a better purchase in the Premier League in the last... for that, for that price, for £6.5 million from Marseille in, in the last decade. I mean, it's... It, again, it's, it's, he's, his level of consistency is astonishing. Uh, I... I know we, we he's been playing right wing back for the last few weeks prior to prior to the final and, and yeah we can we can draw comparisons between the the pace and 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 width that's provided by Reese James compared to Cesar Azpilicueta but I still think he's got energy I still I mean, he's it's it's only because we're comparing him directly with Reese James that we we're casting any doubt on that I think if you put him in you put him in most Premier League teams he would he would provide dynamism and and pace down down the flank uh, from from right back. What a bargain! I mean, what a bargain! Over four hundred games is it now? I mean, he's he's played for for that was four hundred and twenty nine, I think, in, in the final. And 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 I saw Marseille put out a little tweet at the final whistle saying, "Well done to you know ex Marseille player um, Cesar Aspilicueta." But but my word, I mean, I, I I don't even think they thought they were they were selling a player that was likely to go and play 400 odd games for 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 Chelsea and win everything. I mean win it now he's just completed the set. I mean oh, the bloke is a a phenomenon. Okay, he's got a year to go and 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 Chelsea inevitably have to plan ahead as to what what happens next, but but as a leader of men and and I, mean, I think he just saw with the affection even that Roman Abramovich showed to him what what he means to Chelsea football club. I think the um that those that question and as peers are captain it's because you know how can you follow John Terry? You know it's like you're following the greatest captain. It's the it's the Jordan Henderson thing, isn't it? Following yeah. Stephen Gerrard, it's exactly Absolutely. the same. You 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 you're going to struggle to win over everyone because you know John Terry was an extraordinary captain, but Azpilicueta has 
has has been in a different way. And I thought one of the insights into Azpilicueta as a captain was provided again post-match in the hilarious interview with Kai Havertz, where <laughs> Kai, Kai may have dropped a few swear words. But um, I just love the little, ch- the little talk in front of the camera where Azpi was sort of saying, you know, he was bigging up Havertz um, and talking about what character he is and what a, what a tough season he's had, but he's, he's quality and he's shown the the, the character, etc. And I, I just thought that gave you a little inkling of what he's actually like behind the scenes. In front of the media, he's he's quite guarded. He's quite he's not someone that likes to talk like John Terry was. But I thought that gave a little bit of an idea of, of what he's like actually like behind the scenes with the other players. Yeah, and you mentioned Kai Havertz there. We'll move on to him with, with a nod for, for Rhys James' excellence and Andreas Christensen's assuredness having come on for Thiago Silva and, and not having played for a while. Um, Liam, you've been telling us all season, I'm going to put my hands up and say, uh, on this podcast, I have wondered whether Havertz was up to it. And, and I think I even called him rubbish once, which was incredibly, incredibly naive and nonsense club in retrospect. But um, how did you feel when he picked up the ball at that moment, because my mind was flashing back to Arsenal and a, and a similar chance he'd had a couple of weeks before, but he uh, he certainly took that one. Honestly, it was just a crazy moment and it all happened so fast that before you knew it, he was just sort of steadying himself and the ball was right in front of him, practically at a standstill for him to pass it into an empty net. And I didn't have, where I was in the press box, we didn't have a screen for easy replay. So it was actually quite it was quite difficult to kind of process how that goal had happened so quickly and so easily. It was three passes and 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 in the back of the net in in what was supposed to be just a really tactically difficult game. In some ways, I think Havertz's journey in those ninety-seven minutes kind of summed up this this Chelsea team because with with one run, composed rounding of a goalkeeper and swish of his boot, he he washed away months of struggle. Um, on the pitch, off the pitch in his first season in English football and cemented an immediate and permanent place in Chelsea folklore. It's it's incredible. That, that That's the power of Champions League finals. You know, he's now up there with Frank Lampard and, and Didier Drogba in terms of the guys who've scored for Chelsea on the very biggest stage. And he's, and he's there at 21, which is just absolutely mad to think about. I thought he was excellent aside from the goal. Um, I thought every time he was on the ball, he uh, he, he showed his class. Um, he, he carried a threat. He put one chance on a plate for Werner early on. He carried the fight physically as much as he could to to Ruben Diaz um, and John Stones. And as, as Pilaqueta said in that interview that Simon referenced, as he said to him, he, he ran forever as well. He was one of the Chelsea players up front who really, really worked until he had nothing more to give. Um, so I think this is a... It's always tempting from a narrative point of view to look at this as kind of like a turning point, but I think it really can be a, a springboard for Havertz now to to go into next season. Well, first of all, go into the Euros with Germany, but then go into next season with Chelsea and really show the rest of the Premier League what he's capable of on a, on a more consistent basis because we've we've seen the talent now on the very biggest of stages. So that will be a second full season in English football for Kai Havertz. It'll be a first full season for Thomas Tuchel, let's not forget. Um, we'll lavish some praise on him shortly. But Simon, what, what's the latest on this um, contract extension, which has kind of been mooted and discussed in, in the post-match? He, he's triggered a one-year extension by virtue of winning the competition. Is that right? Yes, but 
he's obviously going to get a better deal than that <laughs> because he deserves it. He's going to get a nice little uh, pay rise. And it gives Chelsea a chance to probably sort of have that stability. We feels like we talk about stability <laughs> every year at Chelsea. And this obviously doesn't mean anything if he, you know, if he signs a new contract and Chelsea tank, we'll, we'll, we'll have a, our usual conversation about what went wrong. But no, I think it's important for the, for the summer window um, just to remove any kind of confusion about Tuchel's situation. And he can now pitch as the board will pitch to big names, come and join us. I mean, it's it's the greatest advert for Chelsea Football Club and for Thomas Tuchel that you know, in terms of a transfer window that you can have, you can picture players across Europe. They all tune in and watch Champions League final. They'll have been sitting there watching that, going, "There's a team I want to play in." They've just won the biggest prize, and they would have watched Tuchel. I mean, what not only like the job he's done, but how he was during the game. I mean, he wouldn't want to play for a manager like that. I mean, even the fans, I think, you know, were sort of uh, <laughs> were all fully on board by the end, the way he was geeing them up. So, yeah, no, it should be announced in the next few days that the contract and, and um, yeah, what a phenomenal job he's done in, in four months. He thoroughly deserves every penny he gets. What fine margins, though, Dom? You know, if Chelsea hadn't won this game, we'd be talking about a coach who's lost the Champions League final in successive years with different teams and lost an FA Cup final. And, and all of a sudden, the, the narrative around Thomas Tuchel would have been very different and, and pretty harshly so, given where Chelsea were when he came in. Yeah, I know what you mean, but, but it's not as if Chelsea, you know, fluked a Champions League final victory they they dominated that game they were the better team in that game and that was largely down to you know you can talk about tactics but also the confidence that he's instilled in those players um and 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 three victories i know two of them against understrength city teams but three victories in six weeks against manchester city is pretty phenomenal so fine margins definitely but he's given himself the best chance for those fine margins to go his way he has he's done a he's done a brilliant job he's done a brilliant job and and even yeah, i mean fourth place from from ninth when he took over in january is a good achievement okay there was a stutter in those last few weeks but it is still a good achievement and that to to have won the champions league well look he's 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 up there now with with uh, chelsea's immortals really i mean it's it's uh, it's quite something and okay there's a there's a there's a sort of trend at, at at the club where managers who do well in European competition though don't really have a don't don't tend to to see it out long term, but there will be a level of continuity there, and that will even if he isn't there in two years' time, that continuity will be through the players. It'll be through the playing staff. It'll be through it'll th- be through Roman Abramovich. It's that is just the way Chelsea operates. So it's. It's he's given himself the the best chance to buck that trend, um, and given the caliber of player that he might be able to recruit now this summer as well, or have recruited for him, it provides a platform for for Chelsea, a springboard for Chelsea into next season. I mean, they're not in a position like Real Madrid or Barcelona where they're sort of s- scraping the barrel looking for free transfer signings from Liverpool. That they're out there, they've got clout, they've got financial backing, they've got a, an owner who is very very obviously enthused still um and i mean the the opportunities are 
are, are boundless here. I just wanted to give a Champions League final edition of XG news. Um, <laughs> Manchester City's XG, according to Opta, was 0.45, which is the lowest they've had. Well, the second lowest they've had under Guardiola, the lowest they've had all season. So that shows just the extent to which um, Chelsea controlled them. I know Guardiola said after the game, you know, there were a lot of moments which Chelsea fans were hearts in mouths about, about where there was one defender between a Manchester City player and a tap-in, essentially, when the ball got cut back. There were about three or four times in the game when Chelsea defenders did last-ditch blocks, but they they controlled them so well. And to me, this Champions League run just reminds me in quite a lot of ways of um, Conte's title-winning season in that it's such a clearly coached success. You know, everything they've done has been as a result of this system that's been implemented. And I didn't think I'd see a more impressive top-end coaching job than than Antonio Conte changing formation mid-season and leading Chelsea to a Premier League title. But this beats it, I think. What Tuchel has done in these four months surpasses that. James has tweeted to us what was the story behind Thomas Tuchel's lucky shoes. Apparently, they were a gift from the PSG president for him to wear in the final last year. He forgot to wear them, wore them this year. Chelsea won. It was the shoes. What did it? Uh, for more detailed analysis on, on Thomas Tuchel, Simon's teamed up with Raphael Honigstein for a big piece on the Chelsea coach on the athletic, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod. The place to go to sign up if you're not currently a subscriber. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Now, we've sort of hinted at transfer talk there. Here's a tweet from Neil who says, It was a wonderful end to a season that was at times turbulent. I was excited going into it, even more so leaving it. Will the club go out and out to really try and build in this window, or will they be content? Other than a striker, are there any positions Tuchel will prioritise? Uh, Simon, will it will it be about adding, or will it be as much about subtracting? Feels like there's, there's also a bit of fat that needs trimming from the squad, maybe. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be both. And Tuchel himself has come out and said that he's looking at two, three players, um, which is right. You know, there's not massive surgery that needs doing here. Um, but what is important is that the two, three players are top, top draw players. You know, mistakes have been made in previous windows when Chelsea have won a trophy, particularly the, the two title wins in, in 2015, 2017. Where Chelsea bought poorly, they bought squad players or players that someone like Alvaro Morata, for example, who, di who just didn't work. 
Um, so it's important they get this right to build from a position of strength to to have a have players that are ready to come into the first team, not not strengthen the bench, um, because they need that to challenge Manchester City in the in the Premier League. That's what Tuchel's talking about. That's why he was talking post match instantly about closing the gap, etc. And the three positions, primarily centre forward. You know, obviously. I think they're looking at centre-back. They potentially might get a central midfielder in and plus one maybe on the right-hand side. But I'll be, I'm writing a piece about this as we speak sort of thing, <laughs> certainly finishing it after we speak. Um, so I, I delve into it more. But some of the names, you know, are, are names that have been doing the rounds, you know, Lukaku looks like the most likely option in terms of a centre-forward. Um, now that Dortmund have qualified for the Champions League, they're, they're digging their heels in the sand uh, regarding Haaland. I'm still, you know, and they, they're going to sort of offload Sancho instead. Um, it still surprises me because they're going to make a lot less money um, from Haaland next year when his release clause kicks in. But yeah, Chelsea have got to go for a position uh, of strength now. But what I, I just want to quickly touching back on the Champions League final. There's two reasons why I think they won it, right? Or, or when I thought they might win it. One was when I predicted Man City would win 2-0 because whenever I say Chelsea are going to win, they lose. So I'm taking credit for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it was when I watched training the day before. I tuned into the, the, the broadcast of the live training and that's the first time where I suddenly thought, I think they can do this in terms of just looking at their body language, their demeanour, how relaxed they were. They were laughing, they were joking. They weren't coming across as, as as a group that were intimidated by the occasion. It was like they felt like they belonged. They looked like they were out there to enjoy it. They looked like a group of people that were there believing they were going to get it done. Uh, I just I really read into the body language of, of of that group in training and thought, yeah, they've come here to pick up the trophy. And uh, I wasn't surprised with the way they played. They played without fear and, and that's exactly how they looked the day before. Simon, where did you watch that um, live training broadcast on? What platform was it? <laughs> that was on uh, the fifth stand. Well, it's actually, I saw it on the YouTube because um, they, they, they put it up on there as well. Yeah, across uh, Chelsea's social platforms, just giving that shout out to my bosses at Chelsea TV, hoping that oh, that will for the fact that I called Kai Havertz rubbish a couple of months ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as we look to wrap up then, here's a question from Toby who asks, how does this victory compare to 2012? Liam, you, you kind of touched upon this in, in one of your post-match pieces for The Athletic. They They feel very different. They do, and not least because in 2012 they sacked a tactically minded ideas coach to appoint a club legend mid-season and and this season they've done the opposite 2012 in lots of ways felt like an ending it was a fairy tale ending but an ending nonetheless for Lampard, Terry, Drogba, Cole, Czech you know that that whole group and lots of the other squad players were older as well they they felt like this was their last chance and that was the kind of guiding sense of destiny that drove them even in the face of logic at times, to win that trophy. This time, we, I mean, none of us can see the future and football has has a habit of going in weird directions that you don't expect. But given the youth 
um, of some of the most important players in this squad and in this team, it should be more of a beginning, really. I think it's an incredible luxury or it's an incredible privilege for players like Mason Mount, Reese James, Kai Havertz, Ben Chilwell to win the Champions League so early in their careers because I think they, they now know what it takes to win the biggest prize in club football. They've been there. They've done it. And um, and I don't think they're minded to you know get complacent, take their foot off the pedal. I think this can help them and help Chelsea by extension for years to come build maybe a more sustainable Champions League contender because that's that's what has been missing in the nine years since 2012 is that Chelsea haven't really been relevant in the knockout stages of the Champions League for a lot of that time. And now they have a core of players and they have a coach in Tuchel who, if they can keep him around, always a huge if at Chelsea, they could be a force to be reckoned with every single year. They're not, you can't say they'll win it every year because that, that doesn't generally happen unless you're Real Madrid. But they can certainly put up a really good fight and, and be getting to quarterfinals, semifinals, maybe even more than one final over the next few years. And I think that's something that, that Chelsea fans can can perhaps look forward to in a way they haven't been able to before. The other thing actually that gave me a thought when I was talking about earlier about the training, seeing them in training, that, that sort of gave me thought that Chelsea were going to do it was, there was another thing. It was actually talking to people in the build-up that week for the piece that I've done with, with Raph Hunnigstein that, that you mentioned already, Matt, that, that the way Tuchel managed the squad during the week, the way he managed them in the, in the last few games, sort of keeping the pressure off, keeping them upbeat even when they were losing. He wasn't piling into them, giving them time off earlier in the week to sort of get some much-needed rest in. There were players that were absolutely exhausted, and understandably so, because it had been such a trying trying schedule and they just went off and slept and, and just had a had sort of 24 hours away from the intensity of it all it was just a brilliantly managed campaign and people will talk about as Liam's touched upon there the comparisons with 212 and 221 2012 will always be fondly and, and obviously rightfully celebrated but it was a triumph of which relied a lot on luck you know luck that perhaps they were due given what had happened in years before no one can label that at this group you know their their stats are phenomenal in terms of the as i posted post match um played 13 won 9 drawn 3 lost 1 and that one defeat was a last minute wonder goal against porto that came out of nowhere and it didn't mean anything and they 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 set a champions league record of fewest goals conceded of, of just 4 Every game sort of seemed to be in control. And we're going back to the Frank Lampard time as well in the group stage. 2012, 11-12 seemed such a struggle. You know, from the group stage to the knockout, every knockout game, perhaps Benfica was a bit easy, but even the last few minutes of the Benfica game, there was there was nervousness. There was very little tension in this. You know, they were in control throughout you know, most of the games. And um, it, it really was a phenomenal achievement, thoroughly deserved and, and one that all Chelsea fans should celebrate for sure. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, Chelsea are the champions of Europe. Uh, that will wrap things up for today and indeed for this season. Matt, can a... I just interject here? Sure. Just to say a massive thank you to you and to producer Lucy 
uh, and the departed Adonis, who is presumably licking his wounds as an Arsenal supporter somewhere. <laughs> but thank you for for making us sound coherent over the course of this season, for asking the right questions, and for making sure that Simon isn't too depressed even when Chelsea win the Champions League. <laughs> we of course thanked Adonis for his services and and made it clear he'd always be welcome back in the in the Zoom chat. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing a William now as we speak and knocking on the window saying, hey, can I get back in? Uh, listen, my thanks to you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure this season and, and many thanks to listeners as well. You've really helped us grow throughout the campaign. We, we really appreciate it. We'll be back bigger, better, badder than ever ahead of next season. Until then, The Athletic is the place to go to keep up to date with everything that happens across Chelsea. And of course, there's going to be plenty of stuff going on this summer. It's Chelsea after all. Uh, The European Super Cup is scheduled for the 11th of August. Bit of debate about where that's going to be at the moment, but Chelsea will take on Villarreal in it and we will be here to look forward to that. Uh, We hope you summer well and we'll see you again ahead of season 2021-22. Until then, from all of us here, it's bye for now. The Athletic.